0: You know, when I was younger, I, I used to um, watch television. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you a first-run TV program now to save my life because it just doesn't seem to be worth watching. But when I did, one of the things I used to watch was the History Channel. And <clears throat> I didn't know it at the time because I didn't know my Catholic faith very well. And you got to be careful when you watch shows such as that. And I remember, and this is about 20 years ago, watching, and they had one of those history channel shows on Jesus, and they had this man being interviewed from Bob Jones University, which is a southern um, evangelical college. And I'm watching it, And I remember being taught as a kid that Jesus, uh, excuse me, that Mary was a perpetual virgin. She had no other children but Jesus. So I'm watching this show and this man comes on in this big burly voice and says, and of course Mary had other children. Jesus had brothers and sisters. The Bible says so. And they went on to some other topic and I was sitting there going, what? And I was shocked. I was, am I believing a lie? Is the Catholic faith this wrong? And I remember how it affected me because he said it's in the Bible. Wow, do we as Catholics need to know our teaching? Because somebody myself included, could right then and there some way that easy lose your faith. Because this thing called the Catholic Church is obviously wrong. It's teaching against the Bible. No, not so fast. You see, what we have here is, in several places of the Bible, is saying that Jesus had brothers. Here it says brothers and sisters, but basically brothers. Now... It is most likely that these are Jesus's relatives, not children of Mary. How do we know that? Well, several reasons. One, the Gospels we know were written in Greek, at least what we have of them now. There's still some question if Matthew was written in Aramaic or Hebrew and whatnot, but we have the copies we have of the Gospels is written in Greek, even if they were translated. And the Greek adelpho or adelphos means close relative. And even if it was written in Hebrew, there's no word in Hebrew for cousin. They use any kind of brother, biological, sister, cousin, um, stepbrother, step half-brother. They used all one word in the Greek. And there was no Hebrew word to designate a difference. Remember the famous example of Lot who is Lot in relation to Abraham well everybody says well of course father Lot was Abraham's nephew well yeah if you're reading Genesis 11:27 it says Lot was Abraham's nephew but if you're reading Genesis 14:14 14, 14, it says Lot was Abraham's brother now right there should raise the question that there's something going on here. These brethren that we just read about in the gospel are never called the children of Mary. Notice, is not Jesus the carpenter, the son of Mary? And are not brothers and sisters, James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, never are they called the sons of Mary? Oh, that's not true, Father. Two different names later are called the sons of Mary, or I'm sorry, the brothers of Jesus. And that's James and Joseph. James and Joseph, the brothers of Jesus. And many have tied that to be the sons of Mary. But you know what? You got to keep reading. This is the danger of isolating single passages of Scripture. This is what our non-Catholic brothers, God bless them, have a tendency to do. How do I know this? I get it all the time. I get thousands of emails that that ask questions, that make comments. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But a lot of them will throw these isolated scripture passages and say, this is why you Catholics are wrong. I I get a lot of non-Catholic letters from non-Catholics. This is wonderful means you're watching, God bless you. We want we want all to be brothers and sisters. Talk about brothers and sisters, we wanna be brothers and sisters. But we also need to understand the truth. Now, Saint Jerome said, when we talk about James and Joseph, they're the sons of a different Mary. So if you say James and Joseph father, it says in another part of the Bible, they're the sons of Mary, the brothers of Jesus. Well, you got to keep reading because they're the sons of a different Mary. As St. Jerome points out, they're the sons of Mary, the wife of Clopas. That's not our Mary. It was actually Jesus' aunt, St. Jerome said. Now, who was Mary, the wife of Clopas? According to St. Jerome, that was Mary's sister. And that makes James and Joseph... Jesus' cousins. And the same word would have been used. We all think in English, but there's no designation between a close relative, between a cousin, a stepbrother, half brother, real brother. They didn't have it. So some have said children, possibly, and, and many of the old church fathers said this that when you say Jesus' brothers and sisters, could have been children from Joseph from a previous marriage that he could have been widowed. Now, I'm not necessarily taking that position, but it's not against church teaching. It's not against church teaching that Joseph possibly was married and widowed. I know we don't want to think that, and you don't have to believe that, but it's not against church teaching. Many church fathers held that view. We just know this. Jesus could never have given Mary to John on the cross had Jesus had biological brothers. Judea law would have made Jesus give Mary while he was on the cross to his oldest biological brother. John, we know, was not Jesus' biological brother. So Jesus couldn't have given Mary to the cross on the cross to John had he had biological brothers. Brother is also described to unrelated people biologically, but yet unrelated in the new covenant. What do I mean by this? Well, listen to these two passages. Romans 8:29. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Here we are talking about brother as described as biologically unrelated. How about Hebrews 2.11? He who consecrates and those who are being consecrated all have one origin. Therefore, he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Hmm. All right. Let's finish this because remember as Catholics, we have the four Marian dogmas. We absolutely have to take as part of our Catholic faith, a belief in those four Marian dogmas. Do you remember what they are from your catechism? Mary, the mother of God, the assumption of Mary, the immaculate conception of Mary, and the perpetual virginity of Mary. Please don't Become like I was watching that history channel, ready to leave my faith because somebody pointed out what the Bible says. We have to understand, yeah, the Bible said that, but you got to understand the full context. I think what's very powerful is when non Catholics send me letters that, you know, against Mary, one of the things about her perpetual virginity that I think is very interesting is that we can answer to non Protestant or to non Catholics is you don't believe in mary's perpetual virginity that's too bad because all your protestant fathers did what oh yeah john kelvin martin luther zwingli these are the protestant fathers listen to what zwingli said protestant father quote i firmly believe that mary remained a virgin pure and intact In childbirth and also after birth for all eternity. Hmm. There's a Protestant father saying, I believe Mary remained a uh, virgin before and after childbirth for all eternity. Hmm. Interesting. You know, never was it mentioned until the fourth century that Mary had children or was not a perpetual virgin. And then it was proposed... By a heretic. Mary was always called the blessed virgin. From the very beginning. Matthew one twenty five, Father, you don't know your Bible. Read Matthew 25. She remained a virgin until she gave birth to a son. What about that, Father? Well, again, we have to look at the words. The word until, as it's used in the scriptural language, doesn't mean how we use it in English. How we use it in English would mean this. I did something until this point in time, and in English it's understood to mean the opposite afterwards. That's not the case in how it's used in the original language. The word until doesn't necessarily mean that it changed after a certain point in time. It's just telling you up till this certain point in time, it was a certain way. So Mary was a virgin until the birth of Jesus. It doesn't mean afterwards she wasn't. Father, I don't believe you. Well, let's look at two examples. First Corinthians 15, 25. For Jesus must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Does that mean after Jesus has put his enemy under his feet, he no longer reigns? Because using that logic, that would say, well, gee, the word until in the Bible says he must reign until he has put his enemies under his feet. That means after Jesus put enemies under his feet, he will no longer reign. That's crazy. What about Matthew 28 20? I am with you until the end of time. Well, boy, we have a lot of sorrow because that means at the end of time, Jesus will no longer remain with us. I will remain with you until always until the end of time. Well, what about at the end of time? Does that mean he's no longer going to remain with us? No. Because until has a different meaning in the scriptures than we use it in English. So Mary being a virgin until the birth of Jesus does not mean after she was not. I got a really long letter one day using that passage saying you Catholics don't know your Bible. Actually, with all due respect, God bless you. But we do know the Bible. That's why the Catholic faith is so beautifully rich and scriptural based. So I want to finish by saying a great example of this is our feast day today. I'm in red for St. Blaise. St. Blaise is you may know him better as coming in to church on this date is a blessing of the throat where the priest holds two candles up to your throat and blesses your throat. He's the patron of throat illnesses but also of animals. Now I'm an animal lover. Until I was bitten by our orange boy kitty yesterday. You see probably my bandages and stuff. I was trying to help the kitty get out of the cold last night. And he didn't want to come in. Uh, And I got a little battle wounds from the kitty. But I love animals. I'm a St. Francis fan. We have a statue of St. Francis. And um, one day, um, one of our employees here told me an amazing story. That um, she was leaving down to the parking lot. And she saw a fox. And the fox had come out of the woods, and it was the day of St. Francis. We were blessing animals back in the beautiful days where we could have people come to the shrine, right? We're hoping and praying the shrine opens up soon. We will have masses coming back Friday. But anyway, she said she saw this fox, which was strange because foxes are very skittish, very spooky creatures. They they don't let you get near them. And this fox came out of the woods, and she saw the fox, and... um, She said, she didn't know why she said this, but she looked at the fox and she said, you're late. We've already blessed the animals. And she says, Father Chris, I don't know why I was talking to a fox. And she said, you're late. We've already blessed the animals. Her name was Carol. And she says, we've already blessed the animals. And the fox looked at her and he went running up to our statue of St. Francis. And he laid at the feet of St. Francis. And she said, people started coming out and they saw us and people were coming out, taking pictures of this fox laying, looking up at the statue of St. Francis. So we think of him as the patron of animals and we always turn to him. But St. Blaise actually is a huge patron of animals. If you're pets, you need help or you, you know you're trying to, to, to find a new pooch or whatever. So he's a good one. Now Saint. Blaise, we have writings where he was aided by animals. and he was treated people um, obviously with the most dignity, but he also respected the life of animals. Now he was arrested for being Christian, just like many. And he was on his way to jail, and a woman set her son before St. Blaise because he was choking on a fish bone. And so this child had a fish bone stuck in his throat. And this child was choking, and uh, she placed him at his feet, and St. Blaise cured the child immediately. And so um, his uh, tradition became known to help those with throat problems. Now, he went to jail and his captor could not get Blaze to renounce his faith. And anyway, he was amazed by this. Do you know how many jailers were converted by the people that were sent to jail that were living Christian examples? Quite amazing. So Blaze ended up being in jail, was beaten with a stick, and his flesh was tore off by these iron combs before they beheaded the poor guy. So he was a martyr, beheaded. But Blaise um, was strong. Now, these combs, it's interesting because, um, well, I'll get to that in a second. But basically, he was being led, another story goes, he was being led to pr- uh, prison in Sebastia. And on the way, he came across a poor old woman whose pig had been stolen by a wolf. I mean, only in the Catholic faith and tradition do you have these awesome stories. So Blaise... On his way to prison, again, this guy, poor guy, going to prison again, commanded the wolf to return the pig. And the wolf actually brought the pig back in front of the whole town. And everybody was so amazed, there was a mass conversion. Because they saw Blaze command this wolf to return a pig. Kind of interesting, isn't it? So in the Middle Ages, Blaze became quite popular. And his legend as an animal tamer kind of spread. And he was referred to as the Saint of the Wild Beasts. And so not just St. Francis. But anyway, back to those combs. He's If you see images of him, he also often has these steel combs. And these steel combs were a lot like the wool combs that they would use on lambs. And he became the patron of wood combers and the wool trade. You know, Father Dan Canberra is one of our resident saint experts, along with Brother Alex, who's here in the back. And he used to work as a uh, clothing salesman in in wool. He always sold wool suits and everything. And he was the one who taught me a lot about St. Blaise. And so anyway, a very interesting man. So I want to finish here and say this. The tradition is, how do we use the candles? Because the tradition is a woman came to him, And when he was in jail and brought two wax candles to lighten uh, his jail cell. And um, so this is why the tradition is these two candles, which give you a little bit of light. The tradition is they lit up the entire place like the light of Christ. And so now St. Blaise is often depicted holding two crossed candles. And so you'll see him holding two crossed candles or sometimes in a cave with wild animals. So that's why he's best known that we take those two cross candles, hold them to the throat and bless them on this day. That's what we normally do. So, you know, blessings should always be done in person, but you know, God's infinite mercy is not constrained by anything. So I want to finish by giving you a blessing of the throat and use the words that the priest would use if you were here At Mass today. Well, you are here at Mass with us, and we're trusting that God is giving us all the graces, even through a spiritual communion, as best we can because He knows your hearts. That's probably the most common letter I get. And if you watch my talk last Saturday called How to Receive Graces in During a Pandemic, I talk a lot about this: how we get graces when the churches are closed, or you're homebound, or you're quarantined. We believe in the Catholic Church, you can still get those graces. So I believe you can still receive this blessing of St. Blaise that you would get with two crossed candles over your throat as if you would come up like we normally do on this day at a Catholic Mass. So let us bow our heads for the blessing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Through the intercession of St. Blaise, bishop and martyr, may you be delivered from all illnesses of the throat and of any other ailments in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And God bless you.
1: Are you a Marian helper?